Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Wow, what a fun fucking episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Chuck, who... Honestly, he did all the work. He he recorded the episode. He um, he invited me to his home to record this, and you know, and recording on his equipment. So I literally just showed up to this dude's house and we recorded a podcast. The podcast, this episode is an hour and a half long. I shit you not, we probably talked for forty minutes before we even turned the mic on. And um, have you ever just met someone and got along super well? Well, I had the advantage of having this like one side relationship with uh, Chuck because I'm a big fan of his podcast called the Chuck and Brad Podcast. And then he plays in a pop punk band that ends up being a band I ended up really liking. And on top of that, he does video work for Tell Him Steve Dave, which is like the Kevin Smith crew and Impractical Jokers. And then he writes for the Broadway Monthly and Motif Magazines, which I also fucking love. Um, so I get to Chuck's house. I met his girlfriend. She was really lovely. And um, I first thing I had to tell you is it was like the house of my dreams in terms of the decoration. Chuck has so much cool shit and toys, and it's not in like a weird like forty year old version way. It's like somehow like still looks like an adult lives there, but it's fucking cool. So I ended up like going around his house and just looking at everything he had that I also loved, like f- fucking f- um, an- animation cells from Ninja Turtles to Ducktales toys and Funko Pops and just oh my god, the interior design with all that nerd shit it made me so stoked. So it was cool, and the only reason we this is only an hour and a half, which I swear to God I can and would and want to talk to Chuck for about eight hours um, is I had to go back to work. We um, I ended up taking out uh, a lunch break to do this, so that worked out really well. Um, I had talked to Chuck since. We are definitely going to do this again with uh, the real meister himself, Brad. Uh, he doesn't know me yet, so we never met, so that's awkward for him if he ever hears this. Um, so the, Chuck and Brad are doing their live show at the Comedy Connection uh, this Sunday, if you're listening to it on the 16th, I believe I'm gonna go to this. So please, if you see me there, please say hi. That's never happened to me. Um, I, you know, I don't know who listens, but that'd be crazy. Uh, so please, please go to that. I'll keep posting about it online. You can find all their stuff on Chuck and Brad Podcast uh, dot com. Chuck's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Senior Chuck. And um, man. I just don't have enough good things to say about this episode, and honestly, in the five years I've done this podcast, this is definitely up there, one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. It was so good to do it for change, to do it in person, and just, it's nice to just get along with someone, so make sure you check out Chuck's band, Senior Discount, their new album, Best Revenge, is out on paper and plastic records. It's really fucking good, if I do say so myself, as a fellow pop-punk and ska lover. You could read his writing on Motif, um, Rylan Monthly, what else? You could check out the Chuck and Brad podcast. And you could also watch his uh, video work with Tell Him Steve Dave, which is, uh, we talk a lot about that as well. On top of that, he we talk about his moderating of panels and all this other great live shows. And God, this could go forever. So... Anyway, find me online at Let's Chat Podcast. Send me an email at Let's Chat Podcast at gmail.com. And this will be our last episode, most likely for December, but I have something recorded, so we will be back in January. We, I will be back in January. Well, let's get to it. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, um, Yes. are you from the punk scene? 
Yeah. Or I is mean, that Brad? <laughs> no, it's it's me. It's, I know you're the musician guy. Yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, we started my band Senior Discount in 2004. So oh, I was yeah. in high school from 1999 until 2002. And so, you know, even before high school, I was into like Green Day and Blink-182, which yeah. were like the huge, you know, breakthrough mainstream artists. But uh, going into high school, then I got into Rancid and Less Than Jake and No Effects and Real Big Fish and Suicide Machines. And, you know, it continued after high school, obviously, with Against Me and Leftover Crack and uh, Dancehall Crashers. I love this cost stuff. But I was always really into that ska and punk scene. Um and then we started Senior Discount in 2004. It's fine. I, I, we're the exact same age. Yeah. And so I was part of the punk ska scene in Connecticut. Oh, yeah. But we never came over this way. I don't know why. Oh, see, it's interesting because we, we we did. You do, so you guys had Tip the Van. Yep, Tip the Van. And Big D and the um, Kids Table Big played D in, kind of, in Connecticut oh, a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they played in Tip Connecticut Tip the Van a lot. was really good. Um, yeah. We used to go to Taunton, All About Records. Yep, All About there? Records. I, I, think, I, think I'm, I think I'm banned from All About Records. Oh, really? Yeah, you want to hear about this? Yeah. And it's funny because I don't really... Is All About Records still around? I don't think so. I d- interviewed them a couple of years ago because I had gone to a show there and then run into them. Yeah. And I think it might be gone. I think we played there like, like you know, over, you know, maybe maybe around a decade ago. And at one point in time, um, we, did a, we did a show here when Senior Discount was coming up and the living room was still around. I don't know if you've ever been to the living room in Providence. I've heard if I wasn't living here then. Yeah, that was a great venue um, that a lot of bands played at. And... Uh, we did a headlining show and, you know, we're from Providence. So it was like a, a home show and we were like, we're going to headline. And we had the band Stealing Jane from New York mm. come and, uh, well, I was second guessing that name, but it, it's definitely Stealing Jane. Um, and they came up to be uh, direct support to us. And the idea was we were like, we're going to pay you guys $300. Um, the, the, the show, you know, 500 people came to the show, Damn. which was like, that was our biggest like home show in the yeah, original yeah. kind of days of the discount where we had our original lineup and everything. That was the, that was our biggest like headlining show. And, uh, we we're like, we're going to do a show trade with you and stealing Jane, who was, who was a very successful band. They were doing really good. Bryce is the lead singer. He was on American Idol. He, he was funny. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh. They were like, all right, you're going to come to New York. I forget I forget what town they're from. And they're like, we're going to do a show trade. So they came to our show in Rhode Island. They played in front of 500 people and got paid 300 bucks. They had us go there. They paid us 30 bucks. And we played at 4 p.m. in the after, in the afternoon to 12 people. Wow. And I was pissed off about this show trade, quote, unquote. And a long time ago on Facebook, all about records. I forget what they posted. It was about trading shows. or so I don't remember, honestly, what the original post was. And I commented my story about how I was like, oh, we tried to trade a show with this band in New York. And it's our, our show trade situations have not been have never gone well. Like we did it with Daily's Gone Wrong in New York as well, too, which mm-hmm. is a band I really liked. And I we said it was a show trade. We had them come up. We had them play a really solid show, paid them. And they went back. And I'm like, all right, so when can we come down and like go and play New York? And they're like, oh, we don't really book our own shows. And they just didn't reciprocate, even though that was part of the deal. Oh, man. So, so uh, anyway, on this Facebook post, I commented that we didn't have a good luck with show trades. I told them the story of Stealing Jane. And whoever is the owner of All About Records or whoever was in charge of the Facebook, I have no idea who the person was, but it was All About Records commenting. I'm sure I have screenshots because whenever someone is a piece of shit to me, I, I, I take a screenshot. <laughs> I love it. And the person was like, oh, you don't know anything about music. Like, you know, they said something like you're, you're in the music for the money um, and you're banned from all about records. And I was like, wow. wow, because I wanted because I wanted equality. That was all I did. All I wanted was the was it to be fair. And by the way, stealing Jane at the time 
was definitely a bigger band than Senior Discount. Yeah. So I was sure. so they they played all the time. They played big shows. They played high profile shows. They played shows in front of a lot of people. So um, I was really really pissed off. And then all about records. I was like, wow, that was so mean. It was so uh, hurtful. Um, but I don't even you know. It, it, honestly, it never. I'll put it this way. There was never after that was there a time where I'm like, oh, I really wish we could be playing all about records for yeah. this show. Like that never that never happened again. Yeah. Um. So it didn't really interfere. I'm, I'm you know I'd like to have a relationship with everybody. I love the idea of community, especially around New England. I love having venue owners or booking agents or bands or whatever. Obviously, we've mostly had artists on, um, like like musicians. Um, I love the idea of having them on the podcast and kind of really yeah, yeah. getting close to them. I think it's a really fun way to do that. So obviously if that hadn't happened, I'm sure we would have worked with them in some <laughs> capacity, but because we wanted equality, we were banned from all about records and that's how they like to treat people, I guess. It's so funny that you say that. Cause like when I was younger, I used to get real forked up about, I'm sure I'm sure you're going to laugh too, about the sellout thing. Oh my God. <clears throat> but now that I'm older, I'm like, Oh <laughs> dude, punk rock. I mean, I'm fuck. I don't care who listens, hears this. It is such a fucking like rich white kid sport. Which and well, then when you're in it, you don't realize it because you're like, oh my god, we're so different. Well, I'm from Connecticut, so we had uh, there's a really big hardcore mm-hmm. scene. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was from there. Yes, and right. So I, was, I, I dipped into that, and there mm-hmm. was a lot of aggro bro shit. But like the the idea that you should pick up five people, pack up all your shit, spend all of your time, uh, all of your money, lose money, and then come back. It's like my job. I wouldn't do that. Like that, that's why we have unions. Well, but, it's, it's hard, and uh, I I understand this difference between like passion and 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 work. I mean, as you get older, I think you do have to keep that stuff in mind more. Yeah. Um. And I I honestly I think that there is this world of artistry where a lot of people get taken advantage of. Oh yeah. However, oh, yeah. I will say you know in defense of that, a lot of these booking agents, venue owners, whatever. It's not like they're raking in money and then telling bands they don't have any money to pay them. They really don't have money to pay them. And they're paying the rent for the place. And they're paying people oh, to yeah. work there. So it's it's just a difficult thing where really if you go down the line logically and you say, well, the band's not getting paid well. And they're putting their time into this. They shouldn't do that if you're not paying them well. Um, then I think that booking agents and venue owners basically would have to stop booking shows, essentially. Which is not... You was, know, a good resolution. No, was this a DIY show or like a venue? I mean the the one we the one we actually went and played was like a huge festival with a lot of bands. We were put. I mean, they did they didn't they did not need to put us on at four p.m. That's all I'm saying. I mean, was it the <laughs> the band had that control or they're just like here? Who knows? Um, and if they if they didn't have that control, they shouldn't have had us come for that show. Yeah, no, you know no. what I mean. It's it's a weird situation. I don't know. Everyone was nice to me from that band. Um, I don't think they're a band anymore. Um, but uh, everyone was nice except for Bryce who. He seemed like he was really, really above us. That's how he acted. Um, and especially he was on American Idol, so I don't know if that made it different. But he really yeah. seemed to talk down to us. But that's fine. I mean, he's, he's probably a good guy. He's probably just a young dude at the time. He's yeah. probably all grown up. But um, but there's no way that like anyone out there, like, I mean, for you to even, for, for a band, to like be a band and travel, yeah. like, I don't think it's wrong for you to at least get at least a net zero, if not more. Because like, <laughs> I know, you, I know, you, I know. I mean, just like you have to own a guitar. It's like you have to have some sort of like middle class. You have to have some sort of income just to even get to the point to lose the money. It, it's, you know, I so agree it's with like, you. It's not fair. I don't know. It, it's, it's something I used to get mad about. Like that band sold it. Like people will get so pissed at Fall Out Boy for selling out. Yeah. And I was like, what do you want them to do? Like go work at a fucking convenience store the rest of their life if, if you want my honest opinion i don't care about that stuff i, I kind of think i uh, and i've always felt this way there's no such thing as a sellout to be completely honest be, because like i think about this okay let's talk about real quick you know and whoever's listening if they're like oh my god these these music nerds this is this, let me make this short but you think about bands that are traditionally uh said that they sold out like green day and blink 182 like we use those two <laughs> because they're so big yeah 
The idea that Green Day sold out is fucking ridiculous. They started in 1989. They broke in 1994 with Dookie, which yeah. which everyone would consider like a passion project that's full of heart. Then American Idiot propelled them to new levels. American Idiot was not a sellout move. The idea of a punk band making a rock opera in 2004, yes, it was a monster success. And, but beforehand, yeah. it's like that's not going to work. No one's going to want to do that. They weren't yeah. they weren't doing that because a record exec was like, "Hey, you should write a rock opera." That was them saying, "This is what we want to do in our hearts." And we well, want to get this yeah. done. And that's it. And that's it. And they did the thing that they want to do. They're fucking amazing musicians. They're amazing songwriters. They do a great, incredible, unparalleled live show. They have always been doing what they want to do. And it just happens to be that people connect to it and they're successful. Yeah. And that's it. There's no sellout as part of it. Even Blink. Mm. Blink-182 is fucking like they were going on this path. The self-titled Blink-182 album is so experimental. And is that Flyswatter? No, it's it's, it's called Blink-182. I don't know which one that is. Uh, the self-titled one. It has Feeling This. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, You're thinking of later years. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, I thought that was one of their best ones, to be so, honest. But, well, yeah. it's also the most artful. That's, yeah. that's at their peak of popularity. They decide to say, instead of doing more very traditional, very polished pop punk, we're going to yeah. go and like take a left turn and do these... Like interludes and these spoken yeah. word parts. They made a fucking album that came from their souls, not yeah. not a corporate machine album. And if you if you can, and then that's that's their platform to make you know millions and millions of dollars and connect to people. They could have written more rock shows and first yeah. dates and singles, Ooh. and they they didn't. You know, think about feeling this. That's not a that's not a corporate single. That's a bizarre single. Like I can't even, believe that's a number one. Right? Was, yeah. The idea of that. Even uh, later on, they did up all night. That's a that has yeah. weird time signatures in it. Yeah. Both those bands are full of real musicians, real artists, really doing what they want. And yeah, you know what? Like I think about the idea of uh, Eminem. Eminem yeah. is uh, you know a phenomenon. And when he turned in the Marshall Mathers LP, which is one of the biggest albums of all time. They said we need a single on this, and he didn't have real some shady on it, and he didn't have um, what's that song? This oh I the way I am yeah yeah, and so they said we need a pop single like my name is because it was right after that first album the Slim Shady LP, and uh, they you know he said so he turned in the way I am which is wicked dark and not a pop single, and they were like this is not a pop single, and he wrote the real Slim Shady. Now looking back at that album, which is probably like an eighteen track album, I think. Wow. Thinking of it without those two singles, it's a different album. And the people that were marketing the album said to the to this artist, "Hey, you wrote ninety percent of this album. We really think you should write another song that is going to market this to new people." And the artist took that concept, went home, worked within that you know that idea, brought it back, added to the album, and it's an important piece of the album. And just because the marketing slightly dictated a part yeah. of it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I think I think the, the fucking the, you know the Marshall Mathers LP is one of my favorite albums of all yeah, time. Yeah, it's a good album. And that single, Real Slim Shady, is fucking incredible. It's a, it's an amazing hip hop single for the early two thousands. Oh yeah. Um and uh, yeah, I I kind of believe there's no such thing as selling out. I mean, if if you know, Senior Discount is a punk band. You know, we're on Paper and Plastic Records now. Um, we've done a ton of like punk rock, and you know, we've dabbled at, we, we, pop, pop punk and, and and punk rock back and forth. And if someone said to us, hey, we're going to pay you to make a soft acoustic album, you know what I would look at that as? A really cool new challenge as a, as a writer, <laughs> yeah. as a songwriter. Where I'm like, you know what I love? I love vocal harmonies. I love really solid melodies. Does all that stuff that mm -hmm. I love, can that be incorporated into this new thing? Yeah, it can. That'd be a really cool challenge. You Nirvana know, Unplugged. Yeah, exactly. The thing that everyone shit on. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's and it's a, it's this thing where I think that people don't realize that artists are not 
you know, one trick ponies essentially. Like I, I love Real Big Fish, and you take Aaron Barrett, who is the lead singer of Real Big Fish, who writes all the songs. He's such a good writer. If they said to him, "Hey, we want you to write all the music for Toy Story 4. He would just fucking kill it with great songs that yeah. are full of heart that use, you know, the same kind of melody and, and technique that he's developed over the years in a new direction. And I think that the problem is that artists are always going to grow. You look at Kevin Smith, who directed and wrote Clerks. Yeah. And then you look at Red State, which came out yeah. however many years yeah. later. And it's fucking incredible. You didn't bring up Tusk. And it's, <laughs> I love Tusk. I, st- I, I actually didn't see it. Oh, I, dude. When I was, uh, well, let me finish this spiel. But uh, no, no, I have a whole section prepared because I know you're. I love Kevin Smith too, and I know you like, met him and work with him and shit. Yeah, yeah. And so, I think about that and the idea that like people, unfortunately, this 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 is my theory about people that say that other people sell out. Here's my theory: when you hear, uh, let's say, the first Suicide Machines album, or you know, let's use something that's easier to relate to, Dude Ranch from Blink One Eighty Two, or Dookie from Green Day. That's yeah. gonna hit a lot of people. You're Dookie from Green Day and you love it. And you're, let's say you're 15. You're going to say, wow, I love this band. I love what they stand for. I love these songs. And it hits all these perfect notes for you. Mm. Then as the band grows, by default, they're hitting new notes. They're going in this direction and and incorporating slower songs and acoustic instruments and more harmonies and blah, blah. Now that doesn't fit into your bubble of what you loved. And so I think that if you're an artist, maybe you can say... Oh, the band is growing. Let me see how I feel about this. Let me see about this. However, if you're not an artist or you don't understand how artists grow, I think you could be like, fuck them. They're changing. Fuck them. They're selling out. Fuck. But when really it's like, dude, they're not going to write nine dookies over the course of their career when when they're 21 and when they're 45. That's oh. just that's no one. No one should be doing that. No artist should be doing the same thing. If Kevin Smith made 10 clerks yeah. as opposed to the wealth of films that he's made, that would be bad. That would be a, a sad choice. Um, and people have to be able to grow. And it's weird because. I don't know. Maybe it's more more of an artful medium sometimes. But like, I think that people uh, who look at like, let's say Green Day, and they say they change. What about Tarantino? Yeah. Is that the same thing? Look at Reservoir. If Reservoir Dogs and Dookie are the same thing in terms of sure. yeah, an yeah. auteur creating a project, mm-hmm. and then Hateful Eight and you know Green Day's newest album. I'm trying to think of what the newest album is because they did the live album last. <sighs> no, they did. No, I thought the, it was American. Got, <laughs> oh, they did. But American Idiot was 2004. It's 15 years old. Oh. <laughs> That's just so weird to think. The last, the last album they did was called uh, "God's Favorite Band," and it was a live album. Uh, yeah. um, that man, that... oh, the last album was uh, uh, "Revolution Radio," which okay. which is really good. That's their "Hateful Eight. and for some reason, people are like, "Oh, Quentin Tarantino," and he's changed so much, and he's grown so much, he's incorporated so much more. But when Green Day does the same thing. It's a negative thing, and I don't understand it. I've never understood that. I've never understood that. I look at all art as similar, where people should be able to grow and change and do new things. No, you're absolutely right, and it's funny. In that scenario you laid out, only one of those people has uh, uh, accusations of being horrible to women against them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's unrelated to what you're saying. Yeah, that's funny. It's true. But but that's true. I mean, because, like, yeah, Dookie comes out in 94, and then American Idiot's what? 2004. That's 10 fucking years. You're a different person. Exactly. Exactly. 2004. I was, God. I know. It's crazy, right? Oh, my God. 15 yeah. year anniversary That's next year and 25th yeah. anniversary of Dookie. It was weird because I was in the blank. Not, I was one of those people early yeah, on. Yeah. I had Dude Ranch and not Dookie. Yeah, yeah. But I was I was into, it's funny. I, I I had Dookie and I loved it, but I really got into Blink just for damn it. I mean, I yeah. was young. I was in seventh grade. Yeah. No, I mean, me too. And then uh, we got I got, you know, Enema of the State when the singles came out. Yeah. And uh, then I went back and I just fucking. Well, then I hated them. At, um, 
the live album. I hated that album. Oh, really? Yeah, but I was a different person. I've changed. Yeah, I, good, good. I, I, it, the live album to me is like a work of art. And then just be, maybe I think I got too on um, like I got into that phase of only liking bands no one's ever heard of. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the live album, Blink One Eight Two's live album. Uh, take it's called uh, Take Tom, Off Your Pants and Jacket. No, no that's it's an called album. the Tom that's Mark the and one. Travis show. Yeah, I hated that, and I hated Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Oh my god, I love it. But so, then I came around for Neighbors or the self title, self self titled. Yeah, Neighborhood is good. I mean, there's there's an EP that no one talks about called Dogs Eating Dogs that came out in 2011. It's oh, fucking I awesome. Never listened. Oh, great. And the thing we were talking about the sellout is so you got to look at a band not just by the music but their actions. So yeah, Green Day, Blink, these bands, whatever they go on tour and they're doing arenas and they're bringing even now like the Green Day. Uh, no, Blink One Two just out the front, the front bottoms and Frank Turner. Yeah, and of Europe. course, of course. Front bottoms are I love them, but they're not huge. No, of course so, not. Yeah, and Green Day would do that. It's like my cousin was in the band. Dude, like, Blink One Eight Two just brought in the lead singer of Alkaline Trio to be in Blink. Yeah. Matt Skiba is the is I the know. is a guitarist. That's that's huge. I know. Who's 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 the producer on the album? John Feldman, the lead singer of Goldfinger. Goldfinger. I know. Dude, they're fucking... your Halloween costume, by the way. <laughs> it's not my Amazing. Halloween costume. It, it, yeah, me and my girlfriend did the cover of Blink Two's oh. album California. It's a good album. It's a great album, dude. Travis just drummed for the Aquabats. He just put yeah. Travis just put on a ska festival in California. Well, he was in the Aquabats. And yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. he played with the Aquabats and like. That's that's people staying true to their roots and caring about Except where they Tom came from. Tom doing so good. Tom, he's fine. He's doing. His fine. company is fucking bombing. I know. I read that they have no money because. I know. We'll see. Nut. We'll see what happens. It's but. it's a weird. It's funny because sometimes I think, uh, you know, people are just different and and people have different passions. Like I have I have no connection to what Tom DeLonge is doing now. He's yeah. You know, he was the original founding member, guitarist of Blink One Eight Two, throughout all of their fame up until yeah. four years ago, and. Uh, yeah, he's going into the UFO searching yeah. thing, and which he's been doing for years. Yeah, a long time. I got to interview. I hate this is so shitty, but like I interviewed the guy who got to do the. He, did you ever read that big article? Um, piece he did in Playboy. Mm-mm. He did like a really mm-hmm. in depth interview by uh, Jonah Bear, who's like a he plays in the United Nations. Yeah, um, he's got a great podcast. So he's a great uh, music journalist. Yeah, and he did a great write up on Tom about mm. his like life right before the. This was probably a couple years ago, so it was like him as a dad and like yeah, yeah, really yeah. getting before. It was right when the company was starting and mm. when we were all making fun of him and then like i follow politics and then that like thing comes up from the pentagon about like oh so tom was right yeah, i know possibly yeah, i know oh, the other thing is that scares me that i don't like to even think about is like i don't think he's crazy i don't think no. he's wrong you know what he's I mean? not wrong yeah so we'll see what happens i just i heard him on joe rogan podcast and he was like you don't know what i know and i know he was, was he was very little, secretive and weird but i understand like, yeah exactly. i totally i don't I know. know i can't tell Plus, you got to yeah. think that, like, I think that one thing that happens is when you get super famous, it probably just changes the way Fucks that you're you able to, like, really uh, deal with, you know, treating people right and stuff. And, you know, everyone in Blink has always seemed pretty down to earth to they me. They always hated each other. Tom and Mark? And love. They, they've, they've had a long... Yeah. I, mean, I don't know them personally, yeah. but I've, like, read about them. I think they've had that love-hate relationship for a long time. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that since, like... After, right after self-titled, I think it was has been really hard for I mean, them to work together. I mean, it's a marriage. You're in a band. So you know, yeah, like, you're yeah. like married oh, to four other people. Yeah, my, my cousin Christian, who I like, you know, grew up with and, and hung out with since like day one. He's my drummer. And so oh, now wow. we've been in a band for 14 years, too. So your band, I want to tell you, <laughs> there's two elements of your bit senior disc that I absolutely love. Best Revenge is awesome. But I draw your stuff. Um, Thank you very uh, much, I was listening man. to Axia. That's a- Ataxia. All right. Um, do you guys like assorted jelly beans? Because that's what it reminded me of. Do you remember that band? No, I don't know that band. 90s South Cal no, ska core band. No. So it's just like kind of like, oh my God, it's ska without horns. Like, yeah, yeah. Ska, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like senior discount. Against All Authority. Wait, no, Against All Authority did have horns. Yeah. It's kind of like more like Suicide Machines, but, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I fuck. Uh, 
Destruction by definition oh, is one of my all-time best. favorite albums. You know they they did a tour on that album like two go. years ago, and I couldn't go either. It, well, it sold out. I was gonna go, but they still get sold out faster than I expected. I was fucking. You couldn't play it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You played some recently. You've been playing some good shows. Yeah, we have paper and plastic. And I, well, you know what? It's to be completely honest, they haven't gotten us any shows at all. Is Vinny? He's. I mean, it's it's. I, no. I understand they're they're not a booking company. No, but but it's funny yeah. because people are like, oh, you got on their record label and they're getting you these good shows. Like they haven't gotten us any shows. Maybe. It's all. It's always me. It's just I mean, a different world in the industry nowadays well yeah i mean it's it's not their it's not necessarily their responsibility they're they're you know a record label not a not a booking company i, I wish we could i wish we could have a booking agent um the truth is behind the scenes and i've made this public because i don't care um it's wicked hard for us to get good shows uh it, yeah. it, it seems like this summer we did have a lot of good shows but truthfully we played a huge re- album release show with bad fish huge it was awesome we played warp tour and it was by the way, terrible spot on Warped Tour. We closed out the Ernie Ball stage against Simple Plan. Yeah, so In Connecticut, right? Uh, yeah. The Hartford so, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty rough. Um, we played the Boston's Skanking and Crankin' Festival, yeah, that, which was cool. Nuts. And uh, You did a Manic show, right? Manic yeah, we played, we played with yeah, I, Big I, um, D the Kids Table. I, that was, show was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and like, this is lame, but like, what was it, 2002, 2003, I booked a show with uh, Mark, who now runs mm-hmm. Manic. Like, years ago, we used yes. to be seen friends, and, like, yeah. he's a good dude. He's a really good dude. Yeah. Like, he's, like, literally, like, one of those cats. Like, he literally was, like, working out of his parents' basement, and now he runs a full-on, like, yeah. production company. Like, yeah. Really good, hardworking guy. Yeah, but but those are the, so those are the four shows we played this summer. Those are great shows. Well, the thing is, you know, we've now we've played four shows in five months. Oh, yeah. And that's our album release, like... Is the touring industry a little different now? I mean, Live Nation owns everything. <clears throat> you know, honestly, we've, for the past, like, five or six years... Booking has been so fucking difficult yeah. that it that it has almost made me stop playing music completely because we just cannot get good shows. So consistently. there's no freelance booker out there you guys could hire. I feel like that's got to exist with all the. I industry. probably I probably reached out to ninety booking agents yeah. that are all around Boston, Connecticut, New England, all different people that yeah. book different bands. Was it like two people? <laughs> and well, no, it was it was ninety different people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, no one was willing to help us. No one was willing to work with us. No one was willing to take us on and, and help us book shows. And there are a lot of, you know, places around that do book exactly the type of bands that we play with. Yeah. And uh, it's it's gotten to the point where it's such a discouraging thing that I really just I can't even I don't even know what to do. I, I I've been focusing so much more on podcasting yeah. and film production and comedy things that pay you. <laughs> Large, well, it's it's more that just we can't get good shows. It's it yeah. just doesn't happen. If we play, you know, if we play four good shows in five months. Those four shows are fun, but that fucking sucks. That should have been a tour. Yeah, exactly. I wish. I wish. But there's, I have no idea how to get through to people. And I'm the guy who is willing to reach out and does reach out. Like I have spreadsheets and spreadsheets of every show that comes around that we could possibly get on and the contacts that we need for the show, me Mm. reaching out to them, me following up a week later, me following up a week later, me trying to stay on top of it and playing the game and trying to be cool and casual and still really put it out there. And it just doesn't happen. I mean, I reached out to every venue when the rehash when Rehasher and the Pilfers were on tour. I, mm, I know Cooley yeah. Ranks. I talked to Cooley Ranks, yeah. and he's like, "Here's the booking company." You know, obviously, I, I call. I reached out to Roger from Less Than Jake, and he's like, "Yeah, the booking company is doing it." Reached out to every venue, every booking company. No one, no one booked us. And one venue was like, "Hey, aren't we already talking to you about being on the show?" And I was like, "No. What do you mean? I'm not gonna out the venue because I don't understand what the fuck happened, and I don't want them to feel like I'm talking shit about them." But they're like, aren't we already talking to you about being on the show? And I'm like, no, who are you talking to? They're like, we're talking to your booking agent. And I'm like, who? And they're like, let me check and I'll get back to you. And basically, like, they just stopped answering me after that. And then finally, they're like, we're not booking you on the show. 
And I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, and what I assume happened was the person thought he was talking to a different band for some reason. Yep. And I oh, was like, discount what the senior? fuck? I was like, yeah. our, our, our email is bookseniordiscount at gmail.com. <laughs> and at the bottom of my email, it says Chuck from Senior Discount. So I don't know how that happened. But no, everyone, uh, it's really, really difficult to get through. And it's really, really difficult to, uh, to, book, to book the band for shows. And it's weird, too, because like... You know, there are booking agents around here in Boston, everything that know us that have booked us many times. We never fall short on our promotion promises. We even we have sold tickets in the past, which is frowned upon in terms of like by people who are not booking agents. Oh, yeah. Like if a booking agent said, hey, can you sell 75 tickets? And we did. There's no way they're going to turn around now and be like, you guys are dicks because you did that. But yeah. like fans will turn. They, they don't like the pay to play. They say it pay to play when you sell tickets, even though it's not technically pay to play. But anyway. We've never let anybody down in terms of promises. Yeah. And regardless of that, it just seems like, A, there are less punk and ska shows. B, the touring bands that do come around, like, you know, uh, Bouncing Souls are coming to Providence. Those bands do not, less than ever, they have uh, local bands open up the tour. Mm. They just tour with packages. Like, we've never played with Real Big Fish because Real Big Fish always has a touring package. Oh. You know, that's a... You interviewed them, though. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they've. I know. I've tried to reach out to them, and they've. They've. They have. They always have a touring package. It's like, always really fish with from, three other people. Yeah. yeah, me too. I mean, it's a little bit more organized. You don't have to worry about but it. The local stuff is disappearing. Mm. It seems to be everywhere. It's just really difficult, yeah. and it sucks too because our band is super long running, super hard working. We focus on promotion like crazy. We focus on alternative promotion. I have a podcast that people listen to. Yeah. So every show we do, I'm like, hey. Put us on the show with the front bottoms or whoever. Yeah. I'll interview people from the band and we'll put that out and it'll be extra promotion. That's really cool. It promotes more unity. Everyone's like, nah, fuck you all the time. So, so it's been ultra discouraging. Um, I'm really thankful to Vinny and Paper Plastic for putting out the album. Um, and it's great. And I'm happy with the album. I'm happy. I, I'm really happy with what that being out there and how many plays we got in the first month. We got 50,000 plays on our That's single, awesome. which is incredible for us. Um, and I'm happy for the small amount of shows we did get. But the truth is that pushing the album with live shows and being in the band has been so fucking difficult in terms of playing out. It's just it's just it's killing me. It's it's making me it's really repelling me from music, that, which sucks. That bums me out for you because you guys are really good and like deserve I appreciate it. it, man. Dude, the uh. fucking did the live show we did for our album release. I, I was so happy with it. it. It was so huge. It was at the Whiskey Republic. Have you gone there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they, it was outside. Oh, man. So the capacity was 1,200, and we sold it out Jesus. and went over capacity, right? Yeah. With Badfish. Obviously, they're the ones that are really bringing people in. Um, but we had a four-camera shoot, and we have this beautiful 45-minute shoot of our of us playing all the new songs. Um, I haven't got a chance to edit it yet because I've had so much Tell Him Steve Dave film work. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's so awesome, and I'm like, man, we're capable of doing these huge shows and really bringing people in and really doing a good job and really killing it live, and we just don't have the opportunity to play good shows. Ugh. I've asked every fucking person that I could... I've Every band that I remotely like, I found out who their booking agent is and reached out to them from like Big D and the Kids table to Blink-182, and I've had dialogues with like Blink-182's booking yeah, agent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, I'm not going to expect them to take us on. I, I wasn't asking him to take us on. I've just talked to him about their shows. Um, and uh, and no one is willing to take us on. And everyone's usually pretty polite. They're like, oh, our roster's full, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, what does it mean for the band? What does it mean going forward? I don't know. And it, it fucking sucks. I, I love playing music live. I love playing good shows. Um, and uh, it really bums me out. Do you ever listen to 100 Words or Less? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. So 
I don't know, maybe that's the only thing I think of. Maybe have a booking agent on for you. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think. So that was was that a there was a podcast. Who who's, who Ray does the podcast? He was in Take this band called Taken, which I'd never had heard of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, um, he's like, was, what is that called? Jabberjaw Media. Yes. When I was looking that. when like, I was looking up uh, podcasts in July to go on to, yeah. uh, that was one of them that came up. I, I don't know if I wrote to that person or not, but yeah, he's, I remember he's that. a good dude. And yeah. Then, yeah, I like I like what he's doing. <laughs> I like yeah. it. It's, it is interesting. Yeah, it's so it's such a weird. It, you, Dude, it's it's so like a shrinking. In, you got. I feel like if you were twenty years earlier, you guys would have been like a career band. I, I would or even uh, ten, even ten, even pre, maybe even post Napster. Well, what? we were. We, I mean, we started in two thousand four, and we weren't good for a long time. And by by you know, but <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But like senior, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I shouldn't say that yeah. because there's there's so many reasons I shouldn't say that because yeah. it means that I think we're good now. So it's well, egotistical. You guys are good. It's all right. Well, it's, it's to it's, say it's it's. I don't even. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm not even saying necessarily that. I I do think that we are. I do think that Senior Discount is a good band. That's that's okay to say. That's not me being too egotistical. Yeah. Um, but we were a band that started without ever having played instruments, and we practiced five days a week yeah. for a wicked long time. And you know, we came out and uh, we did some dumb songs, and we did some really short songs and poorly written songs. And everyone should go through uh, the process where their songs get better and better and better yeah, and better yeah. as they write. And that's what happened to us. You know, we. You know, for the for we wrote in the first couple of years, we probably wrote two good songs or three good songs, and, and then and then another good song popped up in a couple of years, another whatever. And now I'm I'm very proud of our catalog of music, and I see the amateurism, you know, at, yeah, at the, at the front, course. which I think everyone should have and does have. Um, but I do believe that you know we got to the point where we were a good band, and uh, it, like early on, like like you know. We were playing good shows that I was very proud of in 2009, I'd yeah. say. Very, very proud of. Um, and, yeah, it's really hard. <clears throat> I mean, one of the big things that, that that I'm not shy about saying is that, like, there's really only one person in the band that works, and it's me. Uh, you know, Christian, my drummer, comes to, you know, he's he's down to practice anytime. He's down to play shows anytime. Matt and Abe are pretty good for, for that stuff. I mean, it's a little bit more difficult to schedule with them. For, for, for like, over a year, Abe was like, I can't practice. Um during the week at all ever and it was really really difficult um but in terms of the work aspect of what you have to do behind the scenes to to promote to book yeah. to sell tickets artwork all that stuff there's there's no shared responsibility it's 100 percent me so you're the band manager yeah i'm the well i'm the band like like you know the al- the album artwork yep i probably put like 55 hours yeah. into personally making the album oh, artwork damn we sent out for for booking agents you know i sent out 90 emails and followed up and followed up and yeah. followed up that was 100 percent me hunting them down all the hours the hundreds and hundreds of hours that went into promoting the album getting us signed all that stuff that's always a hundred percent me, which is a, a big bum out. I wish I, I wish the other guys would take on some responsibility. Every band's got one person to do that stuff. There's I know. always the business guy. <clears throat> I know, and it's hard too because like I think about the other guys in the band, and like Matt Kelly is our guitarist, who is a great dude and uh, um, very sexy wife, and uh, he uh, he was in the band Lemon Lime Tennis Shoes. And uh, for a long time, which what is band? Lemon Lime Tennis Shoes, it was a ska uh, band. I've heard the name. <clears throat> awesome band, and he was that guy for that band. Yeah. So I think that he dealt with so much responsibility and backlash and difficulties and hurdles that I think to the other people in the band, this is just the truth, I think that being creative for a living, they don't see that as a reality. And I do see that as a reality. Yeah. And I'm and basically making it a reality. You are doing do you do you know the band The Flaming Tsunamis? They were yes. in our area. Yeah. So like so that was my area. Yeah. So like I, knew, I think we had a huge fight with them too. 
Really? Yeah, I think we had a huge fight with them. That's awesome. <laughs> is there a is there a band called like Fork something or or Fork Tsunami or like Fork Bomb? I, if, There's a band called Tsunami Bomb. It's not Tsunami Bomb. I'm friends no. with them. There's, there was in in 2000. Ska, they were like a ska, but they screamed. Yeah, yeah. We just played with yeah. them. Um, no, no. The Flaming Tsunami. Oh, Flaming Tsunami. So, so basically, they were a Connecticut band. In 2000, they've had various members. So, like, I when Andy, I, knew, I interviewed Andy because I had known him like pretty stuff, but he was the band manager, and See, then he, he told me when he went on tour with a different band the hmm. first time, and he wasn't the band guy. Yeah. He's like, I didn't know what city I was in, yeah, and I got yeah, to yeah. actually relax and have fun. Yeah, right. See, so there was a band. Maybe it's not the Flaming Tsunamis. I'm not sure who it was. I, I keep thinking that, the, that a utensil was part of it, like a knife or fork or spoon. I mean, there probably is. It's been There's so many names of stuff. Like My memory is like... Yeah. You know, in 2006, we uh, we were doing our, our release show, and know. we did like a funny promo video. Yeah. And then we did a serious promo video about how important the album release was going to be. And it was kind of like, you know, uh, yeah. tongue-in-cheek. And there was this message board, I remember, for this band, a bigger band than us. I don't know if it was Flaming Tsunamis or another band that had the word tsunami. And, like, for some reason, fork or knife or spoon yeah, sticks yeah. out to me. And they were like, fuck this band. And they were, like, really against us for doing that video. I wonder if it was that. Was it the I used to be like message boards were a big thing? Yeah, it was message boards. Yeah, I used to, they had Kill No More Records, which was yeah very Connecticut local. Yeah. Oh, before we, I want to ask you other stuff. But there's one. I, I don't want to. By the way, I don't want to attribute that to the Flaming Tsunamis because I have no oh. idea who it was. Oh yeah, and it was that. and it was legitimately 16 years ago. Yeah, I don't no. think anyone would care. No, 12 years ago. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, did you know a band called Knuckle Down that was from Rhode Island? That sounds familiar. Knuckle Down. They came to Connecticut a couple times. I remember being we were obsessed with them. Though. Yeah. For some reason, we I knew a lot more New York, New Jersey, Boston scene. Mm-hmm. But like Rhode Island, I didn't know anything, but I knew like super involved in that world. Yeah, I don't know. Knuckle Down. It, it did sound very familiar, but I, I don't remember I their album. I can't put yeah. it on like uh, my finger on. Or like, did you know the band Folly by any chance? Folly. Yeah, that makes sense. There was someone I know that was in Folly that was in another band after that too. Oh, really? Yeah. Who was that? I'm trying to think of who it was. I know those dudes pretty. Those are the only people I would say I actually still know. Like my friend Amanda is married to Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Anthony played in a couple bands, but I don't think they. But yeah, but they played with Big D a lot, which is always a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I cool. I remember. I, that sounds familiar. It's funny too because if discount, you know, I don't know how many shows you played, but let's say the loose estimate is like 300 or 350 yeah. or whatever. I don't know. Um, it's funny because if you even average three other bands per show. That's like a thousand bands that we've played with, so it's yeah. like it's very oh, yeah. difficult to it could just remember be so stuff. Easy to be like we play with Dillinger or whatever. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, yeah, right. You play a festival, does that count? I mean, I, I think it does. <laughs> oh my god, festival! I, I wasn't even thinking about that. If you're on a festival, hard. you're like, well, I'm playing Bonnaroo, but I'm the opening act. So. Yeah, I know. Well, you did Warp Tour, so you could be like, I played yeah. with Simple Plan. Yeah, exactly. Against Simple Plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my They're god. Like, oh. I mean, and the Boston's the 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 uh. Crankin and Skankin Fest. That one's a little bit more like you're playing with them because it was only well, it's their show too. It's yeah. their show. And it's also well, yes, and they like they thanked us from the stage and stuff, yeah. Dickie Barrett. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's funny. So, so how do you do your transition to tell them Steve Dave with those cats? Because I do do a lot of video work for that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So for people who don't know, tell them Steve Dave is a podcast made up of the guys uh, from Comic Book Men, the show on AMC, and Impractical Jokers, the show on True TV. Um, it's Walt and Brian from Comic Book Men, and, and Brian Quinn from uh, known as Q. From uh, Practical Jokers, and uh, so they were a podcast way before they had TV shows. You know, Q was a fireman. Walt was managing uh, Jay and Silent Bob Secret Stash, which is Kevin Smith's comic book store in New Jersey. And Brian, I don't know what the fuck Brian was doing. Probably nothing. <laughs> or, 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 I mean, he was you know he directed a movie, Vulgar. Um, he had written multiple comic books with Walt, and he had been in. He had like Walt and Brian have cameos in all the Tell Him Steve Dave. I mean, all the Kevin Smith movies. Oh no way! Yeah, th- oh, that's, that's, that's where Tell Him Steve Dave came from. Do you know where that came from? I knew 
I don't so know. The, this, so, I have a blind spot about this because I've never listened to album Steve Dave. Oh, really? I like had oh, just learned about it like, semi recently. It was my favorite podcast years before I worked with them. So basically, in uh, the first in Clerks, you know, Kevin Smith grew up with Walt and Brian. Yeah, and, okay. and Walt was in Clerks, like uh, playing like twelve roles, and Brian and Kevin were actually in like a they had like a a disagreement at that point in time. They weren't talking. But starting in Mallrats, they played these two characters, Walt. Uh, one guy was named Steve Dave, which was Brian. And one guy was named Fanboy, and that was Walt. And they'd have a fight with the main characters, and then Walt would say, tell him Steve Dave. And that happened in, in Mallrats. Oh. I think it happened in a deleted scene in Chasing Amy. It wasn't okay, in it. Sure. It happened in Dogma. Um, I think it's in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, I think they walk out of the movie theater at the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. They're in the Clerks cartoon. They're in a bunch of stuff. And... Uh, so I love the podcast, um, and uh, they're, they're they're a really weird podcast because Kevin Smith started his uh, Smodcast podcast years and years and years ago, and it was huge. And Walt and Brian were guests on it um, as his friends. Cause he grew up with them, and people really loved Walt and Brian on the show. So Kevin Smith, I, I think Kevin Smith suggested to them that they do their own podcast, mm. and they did. And I remember at the time it was like a thing that was they didn't expect to continue. But Tell Him Steve Dave was huge. I mean, they have like a hundred thousand weekly listeners probably. And they've been around forever, ever. Yeah, right? like before yeah. the podcast boom. If you would yeah, exactly, call that. yeah. Um, by the way, our podcast, the Chuck and Brad podcast, the one I do, the ten year anniversary is coming up in January. Ten years. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that so you guys have been like are like what they were Marin and crap. Like I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean in ter- in terms of like of yes. starting at the same time, of starting yeah, at the exact yeah, same yeah. time. We have the exact same listener amount as Marin. Hey, Can I, you yeah. believe it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you guys had Obama on, I thought you did a really good job asking him about uh, ska music. <laughs> yeah. Like so, so uh, Barack, do you, do, you, do you think that ska comes from reggae, or do you know the truth about early Bob Marley and two tone? Because let me get, put That's some so stuff funny. on for you. And oh uh, well, Chuck. So so tell Steve, Dave. Uh, I love them, and uh, in 2016, they announced a live show that they were doing at the Bell House in Brooklyn, I think. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, that, I've heard that name. I've never been, but yeah. And I said, to, I reached out to them. I have no connection to Kevin. I have no connection to Tom, Steve, Dave, nothing. And I said, uh, hey, man, I'm like, you guys, uh, you do live shows so infrequently. Walt hates doing live shows. I was like, you do them so infrequently. People are flying in from England to go to this show. Wow. Really, legitimately. Um like let me film it i film i have my own podcast we film our own live podcast with like a three camera shoot i'll take care of it and uh walt was kind of like uh he's like oh that's very kind of you thank you and like you know he was just brushed me off which makes total sense he doesn't know me he doesn't know if he can trust me to show up he doesn't know my quality of work i totally understand they have a million listeners who knows and then uh they were doing it's weird they announced another live show well i went to the show and there was no cameras at all. I figured at least they'd have some cameras. Yeah. No cameras. Then there was another live show two months later. And I was like, you guys so rarely do live shows. I was like, let me come film it. You look like I said the same thing. And I was reaching out, reaching out, trying to find anyone I could get to. Couldn't get to anyone. I reached out to the Impractical Jokers manager at the time. Oh, smart. And he got back to me. This is after my house fire. So I had lost a lot of equipment in a fire. And he said, uh, like, oh, yeah, like maybe you can come. And we didn't get confirmation until like 24 hours before we had to go film it. It was at the Gramercy Theater in New York. And so I bought $2,500 worth of film equipment at Best Buy, as as well as my own some equipment that I had. I kind of gave my girlfriend, Gina, and my buddy, Brad, who I do my podcast with, uh, a quick kind of like filming lesson. And uh, we went there. We shot it with three cameras. I didn't even talk to them beforehand. I had no idea what they were planning. It was like one of the most... uh, 
you know, uh, high pressure shoot about this. Oh yeah, God. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the show was packed. It was at the Gramercy theater, this huge, huge show filming went awesome. Uh, and it was two shows in a row that we filmed, including Sal Volcano doing stand up, And, uh, He's in a front bottoms video, by the way. Oh, is he? Yeah, that's cool. That's Just want to throw it out there. Everyone oh, that's listening. awesome. I'll have to look that up. That's I forgot, great. I had no idea. Trampoline or something like that. I forgot what it's called. That's great. Um, and uh, you know, uh, the the actual story is that basically they were sending the audio over to their uh, audio guy, which is uh, Declan Quinn in Ireland, and uh, I didn't hear back for like eight months from them. And after eight months, I know it's going to sound bizarre, but I was doing a prank um, where. Our buddy Max Sood, his name was Eric Max Sood, and he was the lead guitarist of our band at the time. We always made fun of his fictional grandmother, Noni Max Sood. We just made up this character yeah, and yeah. said that she was like slutty and racist and stuff. Of course. And uh, as you do. For, for a live show, we did this prank on Max Sood where I made fake funeral invitations for this fake grandmother, and we sent them out across the country to like 100 people with like really. <laughs> Your face so was so awesome. <laughs> Which with like really intriguing messages. So that basically like, you know, you would get one in your yeah. house and it would be like a funeral invitation <laughs> on the back. And it would say like, said like, hey, people are saying that Noni's death is a suicide. And that's what you better fucking say too. And like stuff like that. So people would be like, oh my God. Like, you know, and we put an email address so people would correspond with us. Um, it was really funny stuff. It was really, really funny. Um, I sent one to, uh, I sent one to someone named Leonardo and I said, Noni's dead. I think it was the Shredder and from Raphael. <laughs> and then I said the same person, another one. And it said, tonight I dine on Noni's soup. And it was from well, the Shredder. Who are these people sending to? Just randos? Oh, I find, I find them on web, white pages. You just put in anything. Oh, these aren't like people, your friends? No, 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 no. No That's friends. So no, no. It has funny. to be strangers for the joke to work. Yeah. So I did that. And I sent one to the secret stash where Walt worked sure. and stuff. And I was like, hey, man, we're doing this prank. You know, I just wanted to send you this postcard. I thought you might appreciate it. Um, and by the way, I still have the Gramercy footage, whatever you want to do. And he went back and he's like, first of all, genius prank. Um, and he said, yes. uh, <laughs> then he said, uh, second of all, um, he's like, yeah, let's get going on this footage. Let me get, let me talk to Declan, the, the audio guy. And they got me the audio and I finished the Gramercy stuff and we, they were like, let's turn this into a Blu-ray. And so it was, so the, the first movie I ever directed was a documentary about the band that was like 90 minutes um, called VBW Attack, the senior discount movie. And it was like a documentary mixed with a jackass movie. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking real raunchy and real fucked up. Like, I got arrested in it for giving myself an enema in public, like, in front of Fatima High School. Like, we did this thing where everybody, like a whole... And your girlfriend lives here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I point that out everyone. She's real. I met her. Yeah, she's super Lo- hot. <laughs> she's lovely. Yeah. No, so we, we did, like, real stunts. Like, it's, yeah. it's, like, it's, like, legit... And, you know, we won, like, a comedy, you know, a film festival for Best Comedy. Wow. Yeah, the Indie Gathering Film Fest we won in, like, 2008. Um, so the second film I ever directed was Tell Him Steve Dave Live at the Gramercy Theater. Not a bad uh, second. Yeah, and so we when we put that on Blu-ray. It sold out immediately. Uh, it's still available on tellhimstevedave.com. And then, uh, you know, Walt, Walt is my main contact, and he was really, really happy with the work and all the stuff that I did. And so he's like, oh, we're doing another project, which is a game show. We're shooting in the secret stash. Do you want to work on that, too? And I was like, yeah. And so we started working on that. And then it was he's like, oh, well, you know, we're doing this other animated project. He's like, would you like to make the, the Blu-ray for it and do the artwork? And I'm like, yeah. And so um, just the Blu-ray. Wait, did I do the artwork for that one? No, I did just the Blu-ray. Um, but I did all the artwork for everything else for Elephants in the Room and then on my own project, the Gramercy. So that was rolling along. And then uh, they were like, hey, like Comic Book Man is not getting picked up again by AMC this season. We're going to start our own Patreon. And Patreon is going to include video content consistently. Oh. 
So do you want to do the video content? And I said, yes. And so since, you know, that was started in July. So So when they got canceled, (laughs) is it, is it weird for you to ever have that moment? Like if it went going, your life would have continued a different way. Like it's, but that's, it's something you have no controlling. And this is like how your field of your creatives have to deal with something completely out of your control. Like their shows like, Oh no, we lost our job. And that turned into now I have a job. Well, it was, it's funny. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. It's It's funny because, you know, during this, like a lot of other stuff's going on. So at the same time, I'm reaching. I, I, this is very strange. So if you hear this, don't think that this is normal. I made a pitch video for myself and Brad as writers for the TV show Impractical Jokers mm-hmm. because of this. Sent it into the Impractical Jokers. Yeah. Uh, don't really have a relationship with Quinn very much. He's super busy. I never want to like trouble him, especially when I go film, tell him Steve Dave stuff. Like I talk to him about like, oh, the new Halloween movie or yeah, Red yeah. Dead Redemption. But I never am like, hey man, I want to work on your TV show because I don't want to saddle him with that. No, and no one, and no one likes that. And he's and he's so popular that he deals with shit like that all the time. So I didn't talk to him about it, but I reached out to the people that work on the show, and I sent them this pitch video that we made. We filmed it talking to the camera. Yeah. Here's me and Brad. Here's what we do. Here's all the film projects we've done because we've done film projects for years. We want to come write for your show. And Casey Jost, who is uh, one of the main guys, he's yeah. on the show a little bit. He wrote me back. He's like, I love the video. You guys are super funny. We want you guys to submit to write for the next season. <gasps> so he sent us, he had us submit to write. This is like last summer, not this past summer, but the summer beforehand. And we didn't get the job. I mean, I think they only hired one writer and there's two, you know, in, in the in the duo of Chuck and Brad, there's two of us. And uh, that's, that's a hard <clears throat> fucking field to break into anyway. I know. So we didn't get it, but I kept a good, you know, I kept up with Casey and, and I and James McCarthy, who is uh, the, the head writer on the show. And, um, you know, I, I stayed with that. I stayed up with them and I'm like, hey, we really want to hopefully this works out. So that was up in the air, something that might happen that I really wanted to happen. Yeah, of course. And I started getting to know Tom Mum, who is a great guy who runs his own production company, um, Blue Juice Films. And he was working on Comic Book Men and working on the show. So if Comic Book Men did get picked up, I was going to try to yeah. work on Comic Book Men. So you're always scheming. So I'm always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I yeah. scheme like nobody's business. What's the it's, you know that song you yeah. know that song Time Bomb by Rancid yeah so um what they one of the lines in it is whatever we can move on and you know that he's a creepin and I always say whenever we do it because I've sung it a couple of times I always say whatever I can move on and you know that I'm a creepin because yeah. I feel like that's who I am yeah but uh so uh I, I know that song's probably not about film production but yeah. uh, <laughs> I say if you want to make a movie then you better commit I, I yeah. say that when I do uh, Ruby Soho no but uh I really do but. So I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm always pushing in different directions. I mean, when I found out the Patreon news, it was essentially at the same time that we were getting signed as a band. You know, you got to think our album came out in July. Yeah, you were having like a moment. Exactly. So like all these different things were happening. Someone on Instagram and listens to your podcast. So like all these things were happening at once. (laughs) And, you know, to be honest, one of the biggest projects I've worked on in the past, in my whole life, was in the past year. And it's still a secret that I worked on for like six months, I'd say. You know what I mean? Like it was like you still can't say what it is. I still can't say what it is. It's yeah. with it's with the comedian Ray Harrington who is oh, yeah, on yeah. stand up like com- records. Yeah, yeah. Me and him closely worked on a film project that is easily the most expensive and professional film project I've ever worked on. And I worked on it for six months of my life, and it's still a secret. So you did a <clears throat> sequel to Titanic where Leo lived. Exactly. I knew it. And Ray I, Ray plays Leo. Isn't it great that the, the door just sinks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also love that I couldn't find a more popular reference in like of all the movies. I'm like, what do we, I was like, what do people watch? What, were, what was huge in 1998? <laughs> I don't know. I assume the Titanic. Exactly. I like, what's huge in 2018? I'm like, I don't know. What do kids do? Fast and Furious Nine. Like you worked at Fortnite. Avengers, Avengers Four. Avengers. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know how civil, you know you know how uh, the, the second Avengers goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's my poor reference point, but that's still pretty <laughs> fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been working on that. I worked on that for six months. It fin- I finished it in like late April, I think, um, and that's still under wraps. But you're also a writer, <clears throat> and I like to. Yeah. I mean. You know the you're right- a food writer too. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I, yeah. for- I-, <laughs> no, I, mean- <laughs> I thought you meant uh, a comedy writer because this year we also started. Brad and I started kind of doing more of our own alternative comedy shows, and so oh, we had so great. we had, like, we headlined the Comedy Connection every once in a while. I think. Yeah, December fourteenth. That's December sixteenth. Sixteenth. That's the reason I'm on the podcast today. The, yeah. The, the, the even though we've talked about the band and the film. I'll really? put it in the front so yeah, it yeah, makes thank sense. You. You know, what, we're, what I'm here to promote is uh, Chuck and Brad's Even Better Best Christmas Show Ever, our second annual Christmas show at the Comedy Connection East Providence on Sunday, December 16th at 8 p.m. with Jeremy Furtado, Derek Furtado, and Jessica Lay. And it's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, so around the same time last fall, I was like, you know, we, we've done these live podcasts. But here's an interesting thing I figured out. When you say, hey, we're doing a live podcast, no one knows what the fuck that means. And not only because a lot of, you know, someone may not know what a podcast is, but because a podcast can vary so widely that I'm like, oh, we got to stop saying that we're doing live podcasts and just turn them into comedy shows. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And so now we do this mix of like stand up and sketch and kind of improvisational stuff where we headline at the Comedy Connection East Providence, which is amazing. And we're super appreciative because it's like a historic comedy club. It's a real legit awesome place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we did a Halloween show. We did our Christmas show last year. We uh we did our own retell live retellings of Avengers, Jurassic Park, and Back to the Future. So awesome! And now it's our sixth one, and it's uh our second annual Christmas show. You guys think you're gonna tour <clears throat> tour that around ever? I would if love you to. Could and, I, and let me let me say this real quick before I forget. The sponsors of the show are RI Food Fights, Boneheads Wing Bar in West Warwick, and uh, Warwick Ice Cream. And we can't thank them enough for helping us uh, get this going, pay for all the stuff, pay the comedians Jeez. and stuff like that. It's great. You just talked about my three favorite places. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I fucking love Boneheads. Oh, stuff. The, Anyone out there? Do, it's the we're second doing, best wing I've ever had in my life. Do you know who? Bon, do you know about Buns and Bites is? I saw you guys on there. Yeah, we're doing. I think a, that's we're how doing I another. Found. We're doing another yeah. shoot tomorrow at Boneheads. Oh, uh, <clears> you know what? I think that's probably how I found her account. Oh yeah, she's awesome. Laura's amazing. I don't know anything about her personally, but I like. I she's look at great. her account and I'm like, this is comedy like i think it's com- i think of it as comedy yeah because it's just like it's taking like a really sexy photo and like she's a beautiful person like the yeah. whole thing she's got a great ass <laughs> yeah, her saying that not being sexy it's, but it's true like but then she does these like really sexy modeling photos with like an ice cream in her back pocket and uh, the focus is on the pizza like i know only like oh someone i don't wish man, I, if i don't know her personally but i wish i like, i want to get her on here at some point but yeah like, you should she's awesome she, she'd be happy to do it oh that's so funny, right? Yeah, yeah she, you no, never she's see great. that, and it's so hard for women in comedy. For I know there's like a unique thing that only like a pretty girl could do that. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Well, she's a you know she's like a marketing person, I guess. That's uh, a, that's how I would. Well, that's how I would c- categorize like buns and bites. Is yeah, that yeah. I would never like, like a marketing look at this company page where, where they're almost like figuring out a food. new way of marketing and getting the word out about stuff. And I think that she's oh, doing my, an awesome job. And they go to all the places I love, yeah. but then it, oh, it's yeah. just so smart because it's like, she's see, great. like this model, but she's holding the piece of pizza and then the focus is on the pizza. Yeah. Like, and that's like, and that's like the intersection of comedy. It's like, you're going to look at this for with to elicit some sort of sexual arousal, but actually we're really <laughs> yes. free to look at this because you're going to look at the food. Yeah, right. It's really fucking funny. Oh, that's great. It's, it's so great. great. Yeah, I, she's awesome. It's I, one, of my Insta, one of my favorite Insta stories. And I, I love uh, I love the combination of like Chuck and Brad, like our, our comedy with yes. her because we're so like disgusting. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like we're such like awful beast monster men. It's and so, then with her, her is so it's, funny. It is funny. It's so cool because like I've, I've been doing this for a while, but like from the majority of it, I've done like i've like 
do a lot of stuff for people mostly from other parts of the country. Then more recently, like man, like, it is it's fun like getting to actually oh, know New the local people. Community. Yeah, because yeah, it's like you know after college it's hard making mm-hmm. friends, and yeah. that's how we all start a podcast. It's like how do I make sure, friends? Sure, there you go. And so it's nice to actually talk to people in the local community a little mm-hmm. more. So it's because like I I mean I love the month. I make my wife makes fun of me, but like we read it every month. Like it's like Promise monthly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Moffat, a big fan of both of those. And motif. Yeah, but motif. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just. I just love Providence. I, when I grew up, I always wanted to live in a city, and then I ended up meeting my now wife, and I got to live in Providence. Yeah. Like, well, if you're gonna live here and pay, I live in Providence. Like, I want to do the shit that actually makes it cool. Yeah. So I love going to like dope restaurants. And me shit. too. Me it's too. Fucking best. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, like, basically what we're talking about is, I, so I write comedy, and we, you know, I do film video, film stuff, film comedy, um, and we do these live comedy shows. But I also am a writer for the magazines Providence Monthly. And Motif Magazine. If you're like not in Rhode Island specific, every state has or city has their free version yeah. of those things of the what's happening. Yeah. So Connecticut I'd, had one. I forget what we called it. I'd say Providence Monthly is like the what's happening one where like new restaurants, new, uh, you know, places to go. It's new not events. political. So it's just not, not political like, at all. It's, it's really very, just very like feel a mirroring. Very, very positive. Yeah, then, I really love it. And then Motif is like the alternative arts mag where yeah. like they let me write like Before crazy we lost shit. Phoenix. Yeah, right. They kind of took over that place <clears> in my, my head for like they yeah. took over that, but they, Motif's good too. They did. They totally did. Yeah, I wrote my first article for Motif was like I pitched the idea of uh, it was about the new Star Wars movie and it was to circulate fake spoilers so that no one would know it was real. <laughs> Oh my I was God. like, in this movie, Luke Sky Skywalker is actually credited as Luke Sky Burglar. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. It was Mark. It was Mark Hamill has changed his name to Mark Hamburglar, and Luke and Luke Skywalker has changed his name to Luke Sky Burglar. Oh there's, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of jokes, but <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, I had to clear my throat. Um, yeah, so I write for those those uh, magazines as well. Um, yeah, I love I love doing that. It's really really fun. I, I mean, I love the food scene. You know, I work a lot with RI Food Fights, who's yeah, one of the sponsors of the show. Great. I mean, Bonehead's Wing Bar is, is one of my favorite places, and Warwick Ice Cream is incredible. Um, but, uh, you know, I started working with RI Food Fights first, then Motif asked me to write about music. And I was like, oh, yeah, I write about music. I'm like, but I love food, and I love film, and I love comedy. And so now for both magazines, I kind of cover all those things. And they're really, really cool. They're really great. All the editors have been very nice to me. Whenever I pitch stuff, they tell me to go do it. Yeah. People write me that I don't know. They're like, hey, there's this place in Portsmouth that uh, should get some love because they do good things. And I'm like, cool. And I pitch it to them. And they're like, yeah, go write it. And I, and I write it. And they, it's awesome. It's, it's a very positive thing. And it's a cool way for me to connect to the community um, in a different way and make my like I love food. And like I'm not a you know, I'm not a chef at all. I do yeah. all this other stuff. And the fact that I can talk and that I can write is a really cool way for me to connect to community. And I've had some amazing, my, my, my best dining experience ever was at Mare, the new rooftop restaurant. Oh, Square. Said, yeah, yeah. And like, dude, the, the way, the stuff that they made for me, they made like a chef's tasting menu so I could write about the restaurant wow. was fucking, inc- and, and the chef came out and he explained all the elements of every dish. It was the best, it was the best scallop dish I ever had in my Jesus. life it was at Mare in Providence. It was so yeah. good. And I had a great time and I, I love doing it. Me and Gina and Gina, my girlfriend who I love and who lives with me, She's my photographer, so she takes pictures of yeah. the of the places Is we go. Is that her job too? That's yeah. She she gets paid by Providence Monthly oh to God. take pictures. Where do you say the majority of your like income income would come from? Like, if you met someone at a party <clears> instead <throat> of being like, "Here are all the fun things I do," like, what do you just be, you know? Sometimes you just don't want to get yeah. into it, so you just give the and then they grab. Oh, it, for you're like, for me, it? it's fucking you the most like, annoying thing in the world. For somebody else, yeah, is hearing about all the stuff that I do, yeah, like there's just too much. The band, yeah. the film, the comedy, like, the writing, I'm creative, like, yeah, yeah, it's you're so not a dumb. dick, yeah. Um, honestly, uh, doing film work for Tell Him Steve Dave, I would, that's why I would assume is right? is uh, could be my full time job. 
Is that the hope or dream? Uh, no, no. I mean, like right now, it's yeah. it's, it's enough to do that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's already there. Yeah. But I but Patreon is what I is is where they're making their money from, and it's such a new model, and it's such a. I just it's so new to everybody, even them. So it's not that right, it's like man. it's like you just never know if it's stable. Mm-hmm. So right now, that's where I spend the most of my time, and that's where I make the most like, most of my money, and I and I am doing really well from that. But I still stay on working at my dad's company one day a week. And, uh, you know, writing and doing comedy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I would love to, like, do consistent film work for Tell Him Steve Dave um, and also be able to just pursue comedy and podcasting and that yeah. kind of stuff and have that be 100% of my income. And right now, you know, the truth is I could quit my my one my one day job aspect of, of accounting at the landscaping company. I could quit that and live really, really well off what I yeah. do for creative stuff. But we just, I just don't know about the Patreon thing, how long it's going to last, yeah, how yeah. long they're going to need so much video content. We put out a new video every 20 days, and sure. sometimes those videos are two hours long. So is it, are you considered freelance for them, or do you have a company, do you have like Brad LLC video or something, or like, is it just like a gentleman's agreement? I think it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's considered freelance. I think yeah. that because like, you know, I work for Providence Monthly, and you have to submit a W-9, and then they give you a paycheck. When you, whenever you do stuff, and that's pretty much my agreement with Tom Steve this Dave. Is, this is the stuff people want to hear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, my fault because I actually find this shit interesting. Oh yeah, me too. Me like too. the logistics of like, because like, oh, here's you see something on TV. I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot of shit that gets there. Oh yeah, so so technically, I think it's like a freelance thing where basically yeah. I, I, you know, I submit my hours and they pay me like yeah. a. I mean, you're gonna have such a good reel just from be like, oh yeah, when you need to go work if you ever want to go else to where to work. Well, in the, the, industry, the other like, thing is, Tom Steve Dave has been around for, I don't know, nine years maybe. Yeah. So. The, the truth is like with Patreon, the Patreon could be could be good for years and years and years and yeah. years. You know, I have no idea. Um, and so it might just continue to, to go and just be like the thing. But at the same time, it's like, who knows? Maybe they would want to focus not on video production at some yeah, point. Yeah. Maybe the Patreon doesn't work out for some reason or they think it's too hard to live up to. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm not I'm not I, I don't make any of the decisions. Sure. For tell them Steve Dave at all. Overall, I make a lot of decisions when it comes to the film aspect. Yeah. But if they're like, hey, next, you know, every, basically the way the Patreon works is that you do it in three month cycles. Mm. And so if they're like, oh, for the next cycle, we're going to do half as many videos. Yeah. And I would have half as much work. Um, which actually would be fine. Um, but, uh, but you seem like the type who likes to have a lot of irons on the fire no matter what. I definitely do. I mean, if if we if someone said, you know, let's say Impractical Jokers, we're like, hey, we're going to hire you to work on Impractical Jokers um, full time. We really want you, this to be your main thing. I would definitely do something like that. Um, I'm hoping that I can always stay on working with Tell Him Steve Dave Film Projects because... For some reason, just what I bring to the table and what they want, it just seems to gel really yeah, well. Yeah. It's funny because before I worked with them, I probably did like 60 short films for myself and my band and the podcast where we would just we just took this alternative promotion approach and made comedy videos to promote everything and get it to people since like before YouTube was a thing, you know, um, and so many of those ideas were amateur ideas or ideas on the way or ideas that had to be whittled and changed and skills that had to be whittled and developed to get to what I do now. But the Tell Him Steve Dave videos are very much uh, an extension of the, the discount yeah. videos that I've been doing for years and years and years. I even use like, like, you know, the old bassist of the band, his name is Kevin. He was, uh, I was, I, I was out with him recently and he's like, I watched one of the trailer for the new Tell Him Steve Dave Halloween special that you just did. This is like two months ago. 
He's like, dude, he's like, I could tell it was exactly your style of That's editing so just from the trailer because of how you've done it. And I could see exactly what he meant in terms of timing and the sure, idea that yeah. you use. And it's stuff that I would use at Senior Discount for years. Um, it's so funny it's to me that all your skill sets and this, I guess, anyone out there trying like mm. when you're making all those videos for Senior Discount, I mm. guarantee at no point you're like, one day I'm going to work for a pot. Well, I've got 10 years ago. It didn't exist. One day I exactly. work for this medium that didn't exist like but so there is a part of being an artist you do have to put it in the groundwork for free at some levels like we were talking about before but that, that's I, think what I, was, I was gonna say for for times you got gramercy fucking pay motherfucker <laughs> well for the gramercy and all the early tell them projects i was probably making less than five dollars an hour because yeah. of how much time went into it and how much but but because of that i was able to develop a really good relationship with them yeah. i treated that stuff like a passion project that i really cared about they were really happy with it and now they really like employ me like almost full well, time i wonder if they would have even ever thought video and gone patreon like there's a piece of that like, i bet there's a more value to them that you realize you brought i i think intentional you know I, I like i said i try to i try to be humble with stuff yeah. um but i definitely think that i i and you're like buddies with walt i've heard you say uh yeah yeah so yeah he's a, yeah he's really funny uh he's kind of a he's a great guy he's kind of a cold guy which is fine. And you know what's funny? The more I get close to him, I think the colder he is, which is how he treats like Brian and everybody. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's how he is, which is totally fine. The more of an asshole he is, the more he likes no, you. No, yeah. But it's not, he's not an asshole, yeah. but he's but just no, like, kind of cold. Yeah, yeah I know no, what you I mean. love that. Like the, you razz on your friends. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. Like, yeah. So he's, uh, I do think that because I was able to bring so much video work to the table, they probably saw that they were able to go more in that direction. Yeah. And it's cool because the truth is like, I think a lot of people that are in my position probably get hired to do stuff that is fully formed and then the people just have to go film it and edit it and do whatever and do what they say like do what the they director say. says but like with tell them steve dave they're like here's a seed of an idea you can go figure this out and i have i get to do so much stuff like one of the best things we did that people really really responded to was we did the game show i was talking about it was called elephants in the room and we wanted to do fake commercials for the commercial breaks oh, nice. and pe people submitted them like listeners <clears throat> But Walt wanted to do one commercial, which was a fake movie trailer called Scream, Baron, Scream about this character that they have called Baron Von Flanagan. And he's like, I want you to take this 1950s monsters movie and film me and put me in the movie and make it look legitimate. And we filmed a bunch of stuff over the course of one day and it was all completely random. No plans for exactly how it was going to tie in, how we we're going to make the trailer. And I made and I wrote the entire trailer myself from the footage we had watching the original movie. And so much of it came from me. So much of it came from my ideas. And uh, they were so down with it. They were so happy to do it. Um, and they loved it. And it was great because, like, that thing was a real thing that, like, I, you know, I'm definitely a co-writer on that thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, was, it was written by me and Walt, you know, That's definitely. So and so it's great that they give me a lot of uh, creative control. And I think it's by necessity because they do so much stuff. They do a regular podcast weekly. They do a Patreon podcast weekly. And then they do a video every 20 days. That's a lot. Well, you know, that feeling when you find someone you trust, you just, just do it. So I don't have to deal with it. That's what, that's what I honestly think that basically if I had to guess and I haven't really talk to Walt about this nor should you <laughs> he probably he probably thinks like yeah I can I can have Chuck film something and I trust him to make it a good finished product and he'll put his own stamp on it and it'll be cool and good yeah yeah um and uh you know I, I'm, I'm really lucky to have found that with people I already looked up to for so long right and love you know crazy? what I mean I started loving tell him Steve Dave probably in 2011 Oh, 2012, because I bought mm -hmm. this house and uh, the house that we're podcasting in, yeah. and I like painted it and was doing the sanding oh, and all course. that bullshit Every for four months. Yeah. And so 2012, January to April, 
I listened to like that's when I discovered Tom Steve Dave and I listened to like everything uh, and then I didn't start working with them until the summer of 2016. That's so, so cool, you know. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great situation that I really hope continues for a very yeah. long time. I'd love to always have my fingers in Tom Steve Dave video stuff and, yeah, and be part not? of it because I I love the guys. I love what they do. They've created. A, a, a huge fan base out of just their magnetic personalities, know, which is like amazing. Crazy. In a TV show too, right? Yeah, yeah. multiple TV shows, two TV shows, on Practical Jokers and Comic Book Man. That's insane, dude! Fucking Impractical Jokers sold out Madison Square Garden. They're only the ninth comedy act in history to do that. Really? Yeah. They, wow. they they tour London. They tour. They, it's it's like they did like they did like four sold out nights at the O2 Arena, something like that. Yeah, one of them was at Rhode Island Comic Con. Yeah, James Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would have, I would have liked to meet him, but we were doing so many panels. Yeah, which I couldn't even get into the panels you were doing. Oh, really? The office sold out. Oh, the office one was crazy. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that we do. <laughs> and then you do the panels. No, that's it's dope. It's so we cool. we yeah we do we do the podcast weekly, which is called the Chuck and Brad podcast. Yeah, it's it's, it's me. Yeah, and then my buddy Brad, who is my comedy partner, that's who I'm doing the Slash Christmas show with. Rulemeister. He said Rulemeister. Hell that's yes. The best word. Oh, right? Isn't uh, yeah. that best? Oh, I love it's it. It's so relatable. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, a little bit of that. I love it. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we've done a lot of big interviews. We interviewed uh, Jeff Tremaine, who is the director of all the Jackass movies. Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. did that at Tribeca Film Festival. We interviewed. Uh, yeah, the guys from Real Big Fish, Bowling for Soup, Big D the Kids. Your table. Big D one was my favorite, I think. Yeah, that was great, right? I've never heard Dave speak. Oh, I know. Outside of like, wasn't I've he met awesome? Him, but like, yeah, wasn't he awesome. It was Big D's is such an enigma. Yeah, because they are. they've been this like, I mean, they've been around forever. Well, that's forever. what I said to them. I'm like, it's weird. It's a it's a weird thing that they've they've kind of got this grassroots like following that has continued to follow them and they continue to like. Roll forward and, and their music evolve because yeah. what's because like my favorite album is Good Luck. What's that? O two, O three. Yeah, so, yeah, and there was what Shot by Lamy and something even before that came out. Oh yeah, and then like I was I used to be in a Drexel and all that shit too. So yeah. like it was weird. He was like this legend for years. Oh and yeah, then, like, they're great. I, and he's like, but it was so funny at the end. He's like. I don't even know what a podcast is. I was like, that's why you're never on him. Yeah, exactly. Because I've reached out to him so many different ways and never heard of nothing. But I was like, that could so, be why. So, he, uh, so we did the podcast, which was like, we were sitting by a lake at his house in like oh, New Hampshire so or something. And uh, then two weeks later, we were playing a show with Big D at, um, where was that? Connecticut? That's your band. <laughs> <laughs> Connecticut. Uh, Western, maybe? The Space? The oh, space. The Space. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the New Space. Is the old one's shut down? Oh, it did. And the, the new one is in the same yeah. plaza. Oh, okay. It's, like, it, it's it, in it, Hamden. It, amazing. Yeah, so it's great. Yeah. Oh, I haven't been to the new. I've been. It's been years since I would have been. Yeah. There, something like that. And Dave was like, he's like, hey man, he's like, I listened to the podcast. I love it. Came out great. Um, and now I know what a podcast is. Dude, that'd be so proud of that. I know, you know right? Like, I was like, like, he's like a little local legend. Oh yeah, people. he's great. He's and they're great. A national band. Like, oh yeah, they're he's they're awesome. And so many people have been in that band who've oh I know had ties to whatever or whatever or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. He's they're they're great. Um, but yeah, we've done a lot of great interviews on on our podcast. But and even be- like, so sorry, but like, um, so I, I started listening to interviews, but then I like I just really liked you and Brad. That's and what I that's what I hope. That's yeah. what I, I I was like you know because our interviews probably make up like thirty percent of the shows and seventy percent are like. Either just me and Brad or Brad and I and like guests. Yeah. Um, Which I like those episodes. The one you guys were like getting way too hyper focused on The Office was like oh, really fun. Oh, yeah. The like recent, recent one. Yeah. Because someone, someone wrote in and they were like, yeah. what characters would you be? We started going it through it. It was really fun. But I was like, and I'm, I don't know. I wasn't even listening. To, I think we knew we were doing this. Or maybe we didn't. I was just like, you know, you know, how your podcast is you just start to listen. And all of a sudden you're like turning on. You're not paying attention. Like there's this one podcast I listen to. It's called The Daily Zeitgeist. And so it's five a week. It's like mm-hmm. a political one yeah. and all of a sudden I'm like oh my god I have know you like I've listened to you yeah. for five hours a week for yeah. like the last 
nine months or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, my yeah. my whole thing with podcasts is I that I check my work phone. But yeah, go keep for talking, it. Keep talking. Sorry, I was gonna say uh, my favorite thing about podcasts is like <clears throat> the connection to the personality of the hosts. That's what yeah. I think. What I think podcasts are best for are when you feel like you know the hosts and they're your friends, and yes. that's the comfort that you're like kind of walking around with. So if you have a day where you need to go grocery shopping and then to the bank and then to the post office and then to this and blah, blah, blah. Or you have a job where you're kind of by yourself and you're driving or you're going on a long drive and you can listen to a couple people, like two people on a podcast, joke around with each other and you feel the comfort of you kind of hanging out with your friends and shooting the shit or hanging out with your smart and funny friends who are going to talk about a movie in an intelligent way or dissect a piece of art. Yeah, it's fun. That's what I think the best podcasts are. And I, and I know that people diff- listen to different podcasts for a lot of different things, but that's what I love about podcasts, yeah. which is why I love Smodcast, why I love Tell em Steve Dave, even why I love Marin. I mean, Marin does interviews all the time, but what I want is I want the conversational aspect. I want to yeah. hear him talk about things with people. That beginning monologue that Mark Marin does, everyone fast forward through it. I love that. I'll, I'll listen to an episode just for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I want to hear him talk because I love the guy. And I hope that people like our podcast because of that. And And truthfully... Again, trying to be humble. I do think that me and Brad have enough of a relationship um, and enough of a difference and a camaraderie and like a rhythm yeah. that people could listen to us and feel that way. It's kind of like um, a little Burton Ernie-ish. Your opposite. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. definitely Burton Ernie-ish. Like he's the, what I'm guessing, for what perceived is like that you're the... The goofy one, and he's the the rulemeister. Oh yeah, he's the, the funniest one. Yeah, rulemeister is dude. That's what. How did you guys meet though? Did you guys meet? You know each other forever? Or? We uh, basically uh, the old bassist of our band. Um, you know, we would write the the videos together, the senior discount comedy videos. So like when we do a big show, we would do like a sitcom, like a twenty five minute episode of a sitcom, where there'd be like a storyline. Like one of them was that we needed uh, we were going to play at Club Hell, but the owner of Club Hell. Wouldn't let us play there unless we got a letter from the fire marshal because last time we caused a fire. Yeah. And that was the storyline of the video was us trying to get this, the, the letter from the fire marshal. And uh, me and the old bassist would write the videos. And he was in an improv group with Brad Rohr, which is – that's Brad. And I saw Brad perform and I was like, this guy is so funny. He seems so stuck in like rules and conservative stuff. Yeah. And it's such a great counterbalance because Senior Discount not only had a reputation for being obscene in our fictional world of videos, but we have a reputation of being obscene in like real life. Yeah. Where like, you know, we play these crazy punk rock songs. We've called people on to like storm the stage at Lupo's and it's like hundreds of people on stage. Like, you know, I did get arrested for the Enema thing. Like our fucking videos, like there were these right. huge prank videos where we like stole 300 pumpkins from pumpkin patches and filled our guitarist room with them for Halloween. Like really like crazy stuff. And to bring in Brad as this conservative, meek rule guy is so fucking funny. The straight man. Yeah. And so it works. We, exactly. So I brought him in and uh, he started writing the videos with us. And now me and Brad write everything. And we have for years and years and years. But that's, you know, we started the podcast. And I think that that's a big, uh, a big thing is our uh, natural contrast. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because we bring up topics and we talk about them and we argue about them in the podcast and sometimes we fight a little bit. It's fun. Which is fun. Which is fun. We don't fight as we don't fight as much. We used to have huge fights about the dumbest shit. Like one time I said a long time ago, the makers of Rock Band were greedy dicks because uh, 
Guitar Hero was down to have all the rock band instruments yeah. work for their games, and Rock Band was not down to have the Guitar Hero instruments. And we had a huge fight about that <laughs> comment. Think about how wow. ridiculous. That I don't is. even understand what you said, but all right, that's <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah, well, you know, you know, Guitar Hero. No, no, I know what it is. It's just so funny that you guys would even get into that. Much I know. Over. Yeah, I don't, so I don't, it doesn't even matter to me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, sure, whatever. So like, mad. I'm a normal, but it like, was, yeah, it was so mad. But that's great. But that stuff is good, and we bring different viewpoints to the table, and we have a lot of discussions, and you know, we talk about stuff. But um, I hope that people listen to us and can kind of feel like they're friends with us and they understand our rapport but that has led to this world where we also do live hosting gigs where we work with RA food fights and we host for them um but we also do now we do cons so we've done like three we yeah. did big apple con comic con with two ends for connecticut oh yeah, yeah and now rhode island comic con where we've host you know we've moderated panels yeah, for, yeah. for different cool. actors did they people. find you or did you find them we decided that it made sense for us to go in that direction and so i started reaching out to them yeah um and uh, it worked out pretty well right away. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that it continues and we get to do more and more of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, we're trying to write more comedy stuff that I think is more open to um, general like audiences. Like you said before, like, oh, do you guys ever think about touring with your comedy stuff? Yeah. We want to. But it's hard because if you're kind of like a no name comedian, like who's going to come out and see you? Yeah, and on top of that, we have some technical uh, stuff that we need. Yeah. And it's hard. You know, it's great at the comedy connection because we know them and they know us and we can plan sure. it all out. But if we plan a show in New York, let's say we're not going to travel there first to talk about the technical details no. and figure it out. And sometimes it's hard. and You never know what you're walking into. So we're trying to I think we're trying to write more stuff. That we don't need any technical help with, where it just has to be Brad and I on stage with microphones. Yeah. When we do shows uh, at the Comedy Connection, like we'll headline with, like, let's say Chuck and Brad reimagine Jurassic Park. The opening of the show where Brad and I go on stage will be something that um, doesn't need the screen or anything. It will close with that as a big yeah. bit. So, like, we have some. Uh, Man, we're writing for the Christmas show right now. Yeah, I was I was writing with Brad yesterday. I was fucking. I was laughing so hard at our ideas for the show. I'll tell you this. This is a good example for anyone who's considering coming to see Chuck and Brad's Christmas show on December 16th at the Comedy Connection. We opened our last show, which was uh, Chuck and Brad reimagined Back to the Future. Um, and like I said, we opened with just a straight comedy bit that has nothing to do with the headlining bit. So the bit was that I wanted to use that time to work on our hosting skills. Because when you're a comedian, you host shows sometimes. Yeah. You have to call, call up other comedians and get the crowd hyped up. And Brad's like... It's on stage. Obviously, it's written. Brad's like, what are we working on? And I'm like, hosting skills. We're going to work on our hosting skills right now. I'm like, I tend to get too flowery with my introductions for comedians, so I wanted to work on that. He's like, oh. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, when you called me, I thought you said we're working on, working on our roasting skills. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh. I'm like, well, I have, I have some introductions for you. He's like, all I have are roast jokes for you. And so the game of the bit was like I had these introductions for Brad that were way too nice oh, and like funny. I love this guy he's my he's my best friend in the world and like one of them was like if there's any justice in this world he'll be the one holding my hand when I pass on to the other side wow. like all this stuff that's yeah. super flowery and then he comes back with these super mean roast jokes <laughs> about me back and forth and that's the game of the bit it's very classic comedy it's yeah, very it's like you know what I mean it's very like old school like vaudevillian almost yeah, exactly and so we're writing two bits that are like that for our Christmas show. Nice. And they're fucking so... F I was laughing so hard yesterday. It's just, honestly, like, even with, like, famous, like, A-list comedians, there's no one I'd rather deal with um, seeing, like, their face react to stuff like that than Brad. Yeah. I think his fucking face, those little beady eyes and that brow, when he's, like, when someone's, like, 
you know, making fun of him or he's the butt of a joke. Him dealing with it is the funniest thing in the fucking world to me. It's That's so funny. Awesome. That's why I love I love working with him. He's yeah. he's hilarious. Yeah. He's, he, I, I know you guys seem very likable, at least on the show. And obviously people it. listen, as you know, you see you're not. Well, that's the weird thing about podcasts. Want to hear the truth? Yeah. Never looked at the downloads. Oh, really? Years. Never yeah. have ever looked I, at the I numbers. always look at mine. See, I, I, I was, don't mean anything. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know what? I ne- I want the podcast to be completely freeform. And I never want to be influenced in a certain direction. Yeah. So if we did one thing that we really liked and it didn't get a lot of listens and then we did something else that was like just, you know, whatever, we just kind of came up with it and it got a lot of listens, I would never want to be influenced in that direction. So you know how many downloads like total you have? Never. Never uh, have looked. I, I, you know what? Who does, Brad? No one does. We've never looked. Who do you host with? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you mean where do you, how do you get your podcast out there? What's your RSS feed? Okay, ready? I use Libsyn. We started in, nine, in 2009. Yeah. And it's probably a different world, you know, in terms of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And our our XML feed works great. You know, it's with iTunes, works on every podcast yeah. app and everything. And it was like, if you go through Blogspot in terms of posting, oh, yeah, yeah. then you can use that as an XML feed. But we have to host our own episode. So I own a server. Oh, wow. Which because, Weird. you know, Senior Discount and film stuff. Sure. That's how I get film stuff over to Tommy, the uh, Tell Me Steve Dave web guy. Um, and so our podcast episodes are hosted on a server. Oh. If you go to vbwkids.com slash senior discount slash podcast, then you'll just see like the folders. Yeah. You know? Um, and so our, our actual individual files are hosted on the server and then they go through an XML three to, to Bogspot. Sure. And, yeah. and as soon as you post and you post it, it, it posts it to the feed. And so that goes to iTunes and wherever. Oh, so there's even no way for you to look at your data if you wanted to. I don't really know how to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you. I, I could go into my server page like you know through host monster or whatever it is GoDaddy. i think it's host monster and i could probably look at the file and see how many people time, times people downloaded it but i don't even think that would be an accurate no. count for people streaming it right i have no idea how and there'd, do be, it. there'd be no subscriber list yeah there'd be no well you don't really get it's such a weird world where you don't have to prove like i love i've had people on that i feel like are way out of my league and i'm yeah. like and i'm like no one's ever asked to see how many people listen to this shit I know. Sometimes, like you're like you really should have because you should not be here. People do ask, and I always give them the answer I yeah. just gave you, and I'm like, we just don't want to be influenced, so we've never looked at our downloads. I've and, they're like, and they're like, cool. I'm like, I don't know, a million? Okay. <laughs> nah. You said a million? Oh yeah. Like <laughs> what? I ha- I don't have a million downloads, but like. <laughs> But you how could, could you lie that much? Because no one's ever asked to look. <laughs> I forgot. It was like a book. It was like a PR person. So, wow. And my friend was teaching me the booking. He's like, just lie. No one cares. No one will ever look into it. Wow. And that's like, crazy. All right. If you could just say like, I have 10 million downloads. Like this. I mean, I don't. But yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Why shouldn't I? <laughs> oh my God. That's nuts. Yeah. I never lied that much. Yeah. Um, that was just, then that, 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 I don't have anyone like famous, famous, but like, you know, people are just weird. No, I've seen you get some awesome, yeah. awesome interviews. I'm, I'm really interested. Yeah. I mean, I've been uh, jealous of your interviews. Yeah. Well, I'm jealous of yours. So that kind of works out really good. Hey, very good. Yeah, there's some good ones. Like I, I, I sometimes I like I'm like, God damn, I did good work because I do it all alone. And then I'm like, and sometimes it's like a buddy or whatever. But like I'm like sometimes like, oh yeah. And I'm like, how did that person do it? And you know, I'm sure you've learned from booking. You just ask the right person the right question at the exact right time. Yeah, of course, that's exactly like, what you got to do. That's why you have to reach um, out all the time. I had Rahul Kohli, who's on iZombie, which he's on Supergirl, and he's like, yeah, yeah, really, really fucking funny dude. I wrote to his management. I did everything right. I didn't hear anything. I hit him up on Twitter. And he's just sent me a DM and he's like, can you do it in the next 24 hours? And I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's like, are you free in two hours? Yes. And it turned out he was shooting a zombie alone in Vancouver that day, had absolutely nothing to do and was just looking for to kill a couple hours. That's great. It's one of my best interviews I've ever done in my life. That's, it was like that's great. two hours of just like, 
Oh my god, I'm talking to and I, I fucking love that show, but totally no, no one knows what it is. But it's very good. Totally. Yeah. Dude, that's that's it's so weird. It's the way to do it. It's just like, stay on top of things, follow <laughs> do up. Do you ever notice you ask like a friend of someone you know personally and then they say no to you? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I've had like strangers on. Like I'm like I just like um I don't know, it was like a recent one I had a couple of a few other writers mm. from Bob's Burgers was on. Was yeah, like, I saw that. It's awesome. Big fucking deal to me. That is a big deal. And then I'll have like I'll ask like someone like I know who's in like a local band or whatever. They're like, nah, I'll get back to you. Oh like, yeah. The people people will say like you know, people are, are definitely down to say like, Oh, we'll talk about it at some point yeah, or blah blah. Which is blah. fine, I do that too sometimes. I know, like, I know. It's it it's just, it's hard. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like it sucks. There's actually like it's probably like tons of people that I have invited onto the podcast and they gave me their contact information. Oh, they yeah. like hit me up and I just haven't had the time to like schedule it or let me, let's do, let me ask you one last question. Cause I, I, get, I have to get back to work. Like yeah, a yeah. Who's the one, who's the biggest guest that you started to book with and it never happened. Oh, I don't even, I, don't, I love this game. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I'm trying to think, I don't even think we really like we will, we'll write people and we'll say like, Hey, like, do you want to come on the podcast or, or whatever? But I honestly think the the biggest guest was definitely Jeff Tremaine, which we got. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Ruby Fish was a big one. You had uh, Kevin Lyman on, man. Oh yeah, we had Kevin Lyman on. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. Um, I don't know if there's when there's not any. I don't think there's anybody. You ever started a book and then like it falls apart and they just stop responding or something. Like for me, I had at one point. It was very Richard Rains who ran Drive Through Records was coming on. Oh, that's cool. And then just one of those fell apart. See, I don't even know. It sucks because like, it's it's weird. The the past five months of my life have been very weird in terms of in terms of the film production and then before that the previous like year of my life was very weird um in terms of doing more stuff with everything with the band you know podcast comedy film whatever um writing and uh honestly it used to be like on like sunday night i would write like 75 emails (laughs) for booking for the podcast for booking for the band trying to get guests for the podcast trying to get sponsorships for the podcast doing this stuff and I would make a spreadsheet and I'd send them out Monday morning and I'd follow up. I have done that so many times that if this is actually a secret that I would, they wouldn't impart on, on everybody Yeah. Um, that I don't remember it, it, You know, it, is there a possibility that there was someone on the podcast that's really, really big that, that we wanted to get that did talk to us and never really got back to me or, or said like, yeah, I'll do it. And then didn't answer. There's a huge possibility that happened. I, my philosophy for creativity, for love, for romance, anything Try to do so much that the no's are like you're so busy that you don't even register them. Yeah. So and that's and that's honestly this is it's weird because I never would think that a question could actually bring that out of me. Oh. But your but your question really brought that out of me yeah. because I have no idea if I if I search through all my emails I could yeah, probably go find somebody. Funny. But because I focus so much on moving forward and doing so much stuff and the stuff that is gonna go and is gonna happen and does happen. I can't even remember. And I remember when I started, when I was, I, I dated a girl from t- uh, 2007 until 2012, I think, from when I was 22 to 28, bought us a house. And we, after we moved into the house, four months later, we broke up. And uh, it's fine. We have a fine relationship. Her name's Alyssa. And uh, when I became single again at 28, I was really pissed off because I lost my 20s to, to being in a relationship that yeah. now, you know, is not going to go anywhere. Which is fine. That you know what happened. I learned a lot, and I grew a lot. Um, but I realized, like, I started trying to date girls again and go on dates, and I would ask someone on a date that I thought was nice or whatever, and I was really hung up on whether or not she said yes yeah. and how things were going and playing the game. Mm-hmm. And I realized pretty quickly, I'm like, I hate this so much. I hate 
sitting in my house alone on a, at a night where I texted a girl that I know that I that said she wanted to go out sometime, and then she doesn't answer me. Yeah. I hated it so much that I decided I'm gonna talk to so many girls that if this person doesn't answer my text, that I don't even realize it. Yeah. And that's what I did, and that worked out well for me. Where where I I didn't get upset anymore. There were girls that I knew really well that I liked that were that we had a great rapport. And they were, they seemed interested and then it fell through. And I didn't even register that because I was talking to somebody else or yeah, whatever. Yeah. This makes me sound like an asshole. I wasn't, yeah, I was very honest with everybody. You know, yeah. I, I told everybody I was, there was not interested in a relationship, just yeah. casually dating at the time. And everyone, I was very honest about that. So that's fine. But that really has transferred over into my creative life where I'm like, try to do so much stuff that if you know you're going to get no's uh, 99 times out of 100, then make it so none of those 99 no's hurt you and you're not hung up on them and you're not looking for them. Yeah, of course. That you have so much stuff going on that you can barely keep up with your yeses. That's smart, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's a lot of work, but it does make it so that like I don't get sad when this thing doesn't work out. That's I don't get smart. sad when yeah. this doesn't work out. And that's how I was. Like, you know, I was talking about the booking, the show booking thing. One of the reasons it's been hard is like I got so many no's and so many non-responses that my focus doesn't go there anymore. I, I, yeah. I can't I can't I can't continue to go down that path where people are so like callous and uncaring yeah. and I'm focusing on stuff that's going and I have so much stuff that's going that it in, in, you know that it's too much for me to handle essentially. yeah yeah so my 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 rule for a happy life really is just attempt to do so much sure. that the nose don't even register yeah you can't I don't I don't, I don't want to be hooked into the possibility of something that might fail. I want to be doing 10 things so that if one of them doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. That's I, a really good philosophy for everyone. Yeah. It really, it's weird. Cause I, I hope no one listens to this and thinks I'm a dickhead because of the dating thing, but I really like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a relationship person. But It's a numbers thing anyway. When you start dating, everyone I, knows that. I was, I don't know why it's weird to lie about it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm a real relationship person. I was with this girl, Alyssa for six years. We had a good relationship or five, more than five, more than five years, less than six years. And uh, when I got out of the relationship, I really found it difficult to put so much stock in a relationship for a while, which is what happens when you get out of a time to 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 heal and get ready. You're not like missing a part of my life. Exactly. And I'm, you know, I'm with my girlfriend, Gina, now, and I totally love her and I'm totally committed to her and I believe in our future together. But that would not have happened if I started dating her a week after I no, broke up with my last relationship. You know? you're like, well, I you're also have. hung up on somebody else. You're in love with someone else and, yeah. you're, and you care about that. And you and it's hard to see the value of being so dedicated to something that could fail sure, at any moment. Sure. Yeah. So I needed to be single. I needed to date around and date different people. And I did. And I, I met a lot of really nice people and had some good times and stuff. And uh, yeah, it just was a thing where like. You know, I, I'm really concerned about people thinking I'm a dick. But, but basically what I was going to say is like, you know, you might ask a girl on a date and she says yes. And then you go to text her and say, hey, let's go out on Tuesday next week. And in that time, you don't realize that she has an ex-boyfriend and that person started talking to her again. And maybe now she's no longer interested in dating sure. you. And so she doesn't even answer you, which I don't think is uh, considerate, but it happens. And so it has nothing yeah, to do yeah, with yeah. you. It's just her life. That's fine. Whatever. But I didn't want to be the person that was hung up on that decision anymore no, and wondering and thinking, why did she why did she not text me back? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? I just didn't want to be like that. And I didn't want to be the person that would, you know, like basically be hung up on anything that yeah, wasn't yeah, going to yeah. work out. Of the course. best thing you can learn as a man when you're dating is that if someone's not interested for any reason, then move on. 
Don't don't bother them. Don't bother yourself with it. It's okay. You know, you're gonna meet a lot of people, a lot of good people out there. You're gonna meet good people that are uninterested, and you're gonna meet good people that are interested. And uh, if you like someone that's uninterested, then you gotta say, "Hey, are you interested?" And when you find out they're not, you're gonna say, "No problem. Have a you know, have a good luck to you in your in your dating yeah, life." Yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna move forward. Sure. And that's it. And that's basically kind of what I was doing, but also just reaching out to a lot of people. So when that happened, it wasn't a big deal to me. That's a good way to end it, man. It's like, yeah. Uh, where do people find you online? Uh, not to date you though, since you're in a relationship. <laughs> I've been in a relationship for a long time now. Uh, Chuck and Brad podcast.com. That's where you're going to find all the stuff about our podcast and our comedy shows right now. The, the front page is the Christmas show, uh, which is December 16th, at the comedy connection with Derek Furtado, Jeremy Furtado and Jessica Lay. And it's going to be awesome. Chuck and Bad's even better. Best Christmas show ever. Our second annual Christmas show. Um, and then senior discount music.com is where to find senior discount, the band. Um, that's all my music stuff. And then tell them Steve or patreon.com slash tell Steve Dave for all the film work I do with tell him Steve Dave. Um, and then obviously, you know, check out my articles in Providence Monthly and Motif yeah. Magazine. You got just get a, a chucksanton.com <laughs> website. I, I want to, honestly, I I'm, do want to build one. You should. That yeah, just has everything all together. I think yeah. it'd be so awesome, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, because so. like I've had like freelance people. That's what they do. You just jonabear.com and then here's all my writings and whatever. Awesome. Thank you uh, so much for doing this. Dude, thank you for, for having me on. This is great. I love this kind of stuff.